Welcome to Finding the Line, open conversations and debate about faith, spirituality, and living life. My name is Ben. I am Nathan. And please welcome our guest host. Who are you? I'm George. Hi, George. Hi, George. Hi. You look oddly familiar. Where have I seen you before? I don't know. Maybe it's because I live in the same house. Oh, oh right. Is it like under the mess that's in your room? <laughs> that bad. I live in the cupboard <laughs> under the stairs anyway. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> I'm a this what? <laughs> this is too entertaining a to interrupt. Witch. A witch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, Ben. How rude. That's right. <laughs> Get it right. right. <laughs> so, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you here. It's very good to have you here. It's good to have me anywhere. You nice. are a very specific nice. demographic that we do not, and I would say a lot of people don't actually get to hear from. That is so true. Me? Yeah. Mm. Yep. Who am I? You, you're a 12-year-old high school girl. <laughs> yes, I am. We're going to have just a fun conversation mm. about into the mind of you, George, and whatever is processing, whatever, you whatever you're yeah. thinking of, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. We have given you a little bit of power because sometimes we waffle with big words. And if you oh, ever yeah. wish us to, if you, basically if you ever hear a word where you're like, yeah, nah, what are you going to do? I'm going to press this button. It's and, a, and what, yeah? It's a no button and it goes like this. Nice. I love it too. And we must stop. (laughs) Yep. And then I'll say, what does that word mean? Or just tell us to re-clarify or whatever you want. Yep. Basically, it's your your way of reading. Word does not process. (laughs) Please try again. Error. 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 (laughs) So. What would you like to talk about? Well, I have two things. Okay. So, what happens after you die? Uh, It's a good question. It's an extremely good question. I have to admit. So Nathan has been like jonesing to re-talk about this topic <laughs> regularly. You'll go, we really need to visit the afterlife. And I have things I want to say. And I'm like, yeah. Which, which I'm, all, and I'm like, all for it. All for it. We will. Which we will. I may or may not say today. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Depends how the flow of know, the conversation goes. And then when George said that she wanted to ask this question, I was like, no. <laughs> but here we are. And I respect your question. Mm. So I'm going to throw it back at you first. Like, what are your thoughts and concerns, I guess, around the whole topic? When I was like nine and ten, it like terrified me. Like night and day, I'd be like, "What? What? what I'm going to die at some point in my life, and I'm not going to like. What's going to happen? Will I feel? Will I see? Will I do anything? What's going to happen?" And I would freak out and have panic attacks about it. Mm-hmm. Not literally, but you know. <laughs> they got really intense and then just dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> That's me for you. But there's obviously an intensity to the thoughts, by the yeah. So then. I actually asked you, Dad. I was like, what happens after we die? And then you, like, told me what you thought. I was like, cool. And it still bugs me to this day because I didn't understand a word you said. Oh, okay, fair enough. Well, it's, wow. I mean, that was a while ago too. So I was 10. You were 10. ten. <laughs> two years ago. Two years ago. So there's probably different ways of clarifying that now at this point. So, well, what's your sort of thoughts on it? Well, since I was born... I've always been told that when you die, you go to heaven to meet with God and everything's going to be perfect. You basically just get another chance at life. And then I grew up. So like, I was like, okay, I don't think that's how it works because like it might, but I don't think because like you only have one chance to live. YOLO. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I got up to there in my thinking process and then like, I was like, well, what now? I need answers. So you... You had like this very, I guess, like classical sort of thought, you know, die, go to heaven, meet God, happy mm. times. And you've got sort of questions that that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in some ways, or it doesn't seem to run congruently with your experience of life yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. Yeah. And maybe just as a bit of a segue, because I think it's a really cool 
kind of thing even to explore the question behind the question like because you asked like when did you start thinking about this what's been i'll start with you ben what's been your experiences of maybe perhaps when you were younger thinking about this question i think i always had the concept that i was going to live forever in one form or another and i'm assuming I'm, and i'm going to credit that to uh, christian upbringing I don't think that that was like some innate concept that I had. It was definitely something I always just thought, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to live this life. Uh, mm. At some point, somehow, it could be tomorrow. I don't really care. Like, I've never had a fear of death because of this idea that it's just a transition phase. I get to move to this to spirit bend or <laughs> whatever that looks like, where I get to live in heaven and party or, I don't know, sleep all the time. Mm. <laughs> just this But like... I'm going to say, what's life without, like, having your bumps and bruises and your fights, you know? Mm, yeah. Very true. Very true. Like, it's yes. not life if it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, You're yeah. awesome. And I think I held on to that really quite, even through all my different thoughts and trans faith transitions and deconstruction and reconstructions throughout over the years, that was one that just stayed constant for me. Like, how it looked or how, quote-unquote, we got there or didn't get there or who was included or not included – there was always the reality that upon death, I would open my eyes again and start over. Like, sure, sure. <laughs> in some way. Yeah, whatever that means. Whatever that meant. Sure. I remember always, though, redefining what it looked like because it, there were things that didn't make sense. So kind of the idea that, all right, so what happens if, all right, so I die and then all the people I love aren't there, but things can't be sad. So either I'm forced just to be happy about that or we all just appear there at the same time because that'd be the only thing that would make me happy. Is there like a time thing then? Do we all just like pause and then we all just show up at heaven at the same time? Or is it just like some sort of weird thing where we don't realize it because the wool's been pulled over our eyes in heaven? It's like there was a lot of things where I had to explain that other something was forced or like the the, the story wasn't congruent in a lot of ways as far as the transition mm. would happen on a community scale, not just, yeah, I get to go to heaven and life is happy for me, but it's like... How does it actually work mechanically mm. in some ways? Yeah. So I went through that thing and then I went through, well, how does that work in regards to the new world? Do we just go to heaven and then come to the new world? So is it only a temporary thing? Is heaven only a temporary thing then? Or is the new world heaven? And then do we just go to the new world? Is this the new world? And I think I said at the live event, uh, the example was it just got so, so complicated. Like just the amount of strings and clarifications and wording that I needed to put into place to come up with what felt like a functioning theology was exhausting. <laughs> and so, yeah, I remember just through my big deconstruction phase asking the question, well, I think I did it as a, as a thought experiment and I said this, was what if there's nothing? Like, how, how do I rationalize that out? And for the first time I had to, it was the first time I had to face the concept of death in the sense of it being final. So it was, I actually got, I don't want to say depressed, but I got in a really low space because I was like, oh, okay. So if I'm actually running with this idea, I'm actually going to die um, and I'm going to die. <laughs> like that's going to be it. That'd be the end. Like this is, this is what I've got. That was just a massive shift in the, view, the way I viewed everything. What I found through that process is that it gave so much more meaning to everything I was doing now. And I found that so interesting is when I would explain this and talk to people about this in the exploration of the concept, 
people are, well, life doesn't have meaning if there's nothing, you know, how do you find meaning in life if there's nothing after this life? And the entire experience was communicating to me that I felt more meaning in my life because I had to enjoy every single moment for what it was rather than just going, well, you know, it's just phase one. <laughs> uh, it's just the it's just the training ground at the end of the day. And where I'm at now is very much at a ambiguous, I don't know sort of way. I definitely don't. Uh, part of the process showed me a lot that how much of our theological reworking or ideas about God and faith and religion are based around that concept. And I just, I really want to try and tear down our understanding of faith without relying on that. So fine for it to be there, like no problems with that, but I don't want the afterlife to be the defining thing that builds our understanding of God, faith, spirituality, because then it's, then it's an escape clause concept. God isn't the center of that theology or anything like that. Escape into heaven is the center of that theology. Uh, the big thing for me is I've moved that away from the center of my thought process. Uh, and it's very much like, yep, cool, that's over there. That has its space. And yeah, that's kind of where I find mm. myself. Mm. How about you, Nathan? What's your uh, yeah, yeah, lifetime my, experience? My lifetime experience. So I grew up in a very, I guess you could say, very comfortable kind of upper middle class upbringing and wasn't surrounded by death. Wasn't uh, My first funeral I went to, I was like 20. So certainly I was aware of the concept of dying and death, but it never really... I never really took the time to really think about it. it. just wasn't part of my worldview. I didn't grow up in any household that had any religion or spirituality at its core. So those more meta questions, those big questions, those kind of those deep and meaningful questions, I never really took the time to ever really think about it. And I think the first time I did start to think about it, I was probably around 10 or 11, when... It's funny, it was a old children's bible that my mum had in the house that was like a jehovah's witness children's bible so everyone looked very white in the bible that including jesus even though he was dark-skinned palestinian anyway but i opened it up and i was looking at all the different characters i went to the very end of the the the, the bible story so to speak and it talked about it's like oh do you want to live forever question mark and it kind of dawned upon me it was like wow life living forever is there anything more? And so I think that was probably my first encounter with even thinking about the question. Mm. I didn't know what the answer was at the time. And there's a sense in which I kind of don't know what the answer is now. So I would say that that's kind of how it started. And then when I started identifying as a Christian when I was 17, the questions of afterlife became much more prominent because now it was kind of part parcel of the Christian worldview um, that there would be an afterlife. And I would still say I believe that to some extent, but I would think afterlife very differently from how it's often taught in churches. The notion of going somewhere immediately when you die, I'm much more agnostic about that. For me, the question of, of afterlife has more to do with, is there a God who will make all things right? That, will, that there's no un injustice in the world that will be left unturned? Will there be a God who heals the world? And so my questions on the afterlife are probably a little bit more meta. It's not just about what happens to me, but actually... Um, where's all things heading? What's is? Does God love the world enough that he wants to not let any evil in history be unanswered for? And so those are probably the more meta questions I started to kind of transition towards. So certainly when I first became a Christian, though, um, the question was about merely what happens after you die. And I think in a very similar way, um, obviously different, we've arrived at different points of view when, when, when me and Ben have talked about it. 
But certainly those kind of those larger questions of like the inner mechanics of the afterlife, I certainly started asking those questions about, well, who's in and who's out and how do you determine that? And is it just about believing a certain set of doctrinal statements? If that's it, that's a little bit weird. And, uh, and then, of course, having family members who, when I started to hit the age 20, like a great auntie died. I was like, well, do I really believe if God has loved that because that auntie didn't have the right doctrinal beliefs in there? prefrontal cortex which is the front part of the brain the fancy <laughs> front part of the brain you're like oh it, do i really think that uh you know that that as a result of them not having that, that that's it for them and so those obviously those larger questions started to emerge for myself and so i guess you could say i go i went through kind of a time when i was trying to work it all out and, and try to at least come to some conclusions of what i believed those questions start to evolve a bit more and I would say kind of where I'm at, it's transitioned away from purely kind of the individualistic, sorry, the individual, the, the, the me and my buddy relationship with Jesus more towards, oh, what do I think, how do I think God sees the world? And, and, and what is, what's the relationship between God loving the world and loving humans and wanting to see the humans never exist again? Like, can I, can I see that as compatible? Yes, no, maybe. Um, those have been those questions that I've been kind of unpacking for myself i'm just gonna say this randomly if like god was a human today 2020 i'm pretty sure (laughs) i mean he's a dude and he's walking around making sure everyone's up to date on christianity he's like i'm watching you i see you when you're sleeping and i know when you're awake sounds like santa i know if you've been bad or good (laughs) so be good for goodness sake when you're not going to heaven interesting but i mean that obviously has it reveals Perhaps what you think God might be like if he was a person or she think, was a person. He's Santa Claus. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is Santa Claus. Is and he comes down to see his family on his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So obviously there's a question of like, not only who do we think God is, but what is actually God like? Mm. like what do we think God's actually like? I definitely always had the idea that God was like a parental figure of some form in in the image that it's someone I could always go to, talk to, would always be there, mm. um, a reliable source of uh, attention. And Do your homework, Gary. No, not so much in that sense, but more in the... Yeah, Gary. Meow. Hello there, Gary. Meow. Sorry, I'll stop. You, you didn't interrupt me, but I'm interrupting you. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm going to stand away from the microphone. Squidward. Hello! <laughs> hey, Patrick! <laughs> That's too awesome. Hey, hey, SpongeBob. <laughs> yes, Patrick? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Meow! <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to think of Spongebob as God now. I, I guess... Sounds healthy. We, we <laughs> want to hear your story of, of both yep. um, how you've historically viewed God and growing up and how that's changed to where you're at yep. now. So God was always this reliable parental figure that was someone I could always talk to, always sort of rely on, intentionally always had my best interests at heart, was in some way manipulating or forming the universe for my benefit uh, in that all things would work out together for all good and all that sort of stuff. And on a very, not just an individual level, like I understood that for all people, but primarily I was concerned with that for me. So 
uh, and I had a lot of trust in that. That there was a lot of leaning on that in decisions to go to Bible college and go without funds while having two kids and just to move house. And it was just things that we did were like, yeah, God, God's got it. Like, it's all good. We have this complete faith in this concept. And, and things worked out. And looking back on that for one reason or another, I'm not going to get into it, I guess. And as far as like an actual understanding, the mechanics of that were always actually very vague for me. Like Jesus was always this very grounded concept, but God was always this very big thing concept weird like it had a personality and i had an intention to it but it was also something that was ambiguous uh fluffy <laughs> in one way or another Pink, fluffy unicorns dancing, dancing on rainbows. rainbows um that's god that was god god is naya cat <laughs> so <laughs> and in a lot of ways that hasn't gone away but i definitely lean more on the expansive size rather than the individual personality that i wish to project upon it because looking back like even looking back at certain things that happened when in getting through bible college financially would be a good example i can look back and go oh god really looked after us and you know money came in when we needed it and all those sorts of things. But if I take a second and look at this situation from a slightly different perspective, I can understand, no, well, we got through it because people were kind and because people helped us out. And they may have done that for whatever religious beliefs they did or didn't have, but money didn't just come from nowhere. Like, that was always granted. God is the people. So, and, and there's there's a back and forth on that. But so it's just like, just that alternate perspective <laughs> to go, all right, there's, there's another way... Uh, if I disconnect that particular tail that I've placed on God, pin the tail on God, I guess it allows him to be bigger than that. If God is anything, it has to be something that defines everything for me. So it can't just be like a small thing that's just about my life or human life or like we know the universe to be bigger than that. I know what's going on in my community is bigger than that. And if I expand, like if I just talk about the street I live on, there's a bunch of people I don't know. That's people alone. And then let's start including all the animals that are included in that community, all the insects that are included in that. Like just this one street in this one neighborhood, like the community aspects of what's going on here is so massive and intense that if God was just interested in me or just in the humans on the street, then, you know, it's just crazy. So God has to be something that encompasses not just that, but all things. And that's as far as I get, as far as like, that's my stake in the ground like that's where i'm absolutely sure of beyond that i guess get really into theoretical concepts of play i don't think god is like a physics based rule in that there is some unifying like molecular structure or something that runs the universe or something like that i feel like it's again even bigger than that i feel all of that relies on something so i feel like story is a really big thing like there, there is seems to be a like i do like that quote that you use um uh the moral arc of the universe is long and bends towards justice because I, I like that it incorporates a storiness to it, but I'm also aware that I like that because I don't want everything to simply be meaningless. So there is a level of projection into that. But this idea that there is a reason and then that reason is what shapes all things and moves all things in a certain way. So if God is anything, God is the manifestation of the reason for the universe. And then upon that, we project personality concepts and we want to pin it down because we are a very small part of that we can only understand it in a very small way so it's it's a very vague concept 
uh, it is something that still provides me with security and something to lean on, I guess, and the understanding that not everything is meaningless, while at the same time understanding that meaninglessness is okay. Yeah, I know that's not like the clearest answer, but that's kind of mm-hmm. where I find so myself playing. That's that's yeah, that's the sandpit in which I play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that the sandpit to which you play. It's brilliant. Okay, I have two things. One is a comment of like having the thing that like oh God is taking care of you and watching over you and actually like acknowledging that you're a thing. And I have another thing. So like when someone said that, I'd be like, okay, but like if you're going to talk about God as he, it as it is a person because a father is a parent and a parent is a normal person who has a kid who is a guy you know so if you're going to talk about god as a person let's say and you're saying okay he's like watching over you there are how many people in the world millions it's like 7.5 billion billion people there's billions of people in the world quite a few which um believe in god and so my mind would go, how is he going to know I'm a person? Like, Taylor Swift doesn't know I exist. So how does God know I exist? Like, oh, he's almighty, he's God. But, like, if you're going to talk about him as a person, then that means that he can't do that. I mean, it'd make well, me feel pretty special, though. Like, oh, yeah, this dude's just watching over me. Kind so of creepy, but just, just on clarification of terms, when we talk about being a person that is different than being a human so a person is derived from that word personality or from that greek word uh, i always forget it but the idea of the mask that we play or the role that we play so when we say that god is a person or we say that he has a personality there's a set of traits and set of behaviors that we expect from that which reflect a certain thing not that doesn't mean it needs to be limited to human experience or limitations mm. because it can be something bigger than that while expressing human traits we which, yeah as humans have given god an inhuman personality because he never makes mistakes and he's always Ooh. just like perfect and he's like <laughs> do this so i guess i'm kind of wrong saying that i just like made this up in my mind as you're talking um he can't be talked as a person if we don't give him human traits hmm. I mean but then you're saying like human and person are the different things but like I think I get the flavour you're yeah, going with like, yeah. you know what I mean because like we would say animals have personality yeah but they're you know not I mean? a person no but they have um, behaviour like that my bird my bird has a personality but he's not a person I'm pretty sure we all have mic- like as humankind we've all mixed up person with human Mm -hmm. that's why i think it's an important question to not just talk about god as a thing or or what however you want to talk about that but like what's that thing like Mm. and i think that's always been my big thing within Mm. my own faith is Mm. like because you know that's the reason why i would say that i've known a lot of people who formally identify as christian in my experience who want to give it up when you break it down, it's because they see a type of will or personality or a type of intention or kind of what is God like that seems really messed up. And I'm like, oh, well, I can understand that. Mm. I often say, I just don't see God like that. I think um, that's why I like about Jesus, because yeah, because Jesus is not an abstract concept. 
Jesus, if you see it in the Gospels, like he goes into a temple, um, which at the time, the temple was completely corrupt and crippling families in, in Jerusalem mm. under economic burden. So Jesus comes in almost like an activist and just like throws the table. So I'm like, ah, God actually cares about economic hardship. Mm. Or I see how Jesus treats um, the Samaritan woman who's considered an outsider and um, is hated by the community. And I says, ah, because of Jesus, I see that God cares about mm. the outsider. Um, and not to mention if Jesus is, as far as we can tell historically, a dark-skinned Palestinian Jewish person who for a small part of his life, he was a child, had to flee from Egypt and come back. So he was a refugee as well. Mm. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm now saying I worship a refugee who's indigenous, who indigenous in the sense of his peoples and land, mm. um, who's, who's dark skinned. And so I'm like, ah, I'm having a bit more personality to that, which I believe reveals what God is like. Now, of course, what did I do on that on a bigger level, right, in terms of the whole universe and whatnot? I'm not sure if that's a separate question or, or a bit too much of a bigger conversation to have. Um, I like with the TARDIS, when I talked about the TARDIS before, there's an episode in Doctor Who where the TARDIS opens up and all the energy of the TARDIS floods out into the, into the regions around the TARDIS and changes things. Mm. So I guess I can say that even though Jesus might be very particular, I think Jesus unleashes yeah. something into the world that's very universal and mm. changes things all around it. And I think what excites me about Jesus is that in my faith, I actually can start to say, well, this is what I believe God's like. And, and that doesn't mean I have Jesus all worked out like a TARDIS, infinite dimensions don't have, can't work out, go through all throughout the whole TARDIS. Um, but you can start to start somewhere and you can see that there's a bit of a feel and a flavor to it. Mm. And so that's important for me kind of in terms of um, mm. that question of what is God like? So I was going to say, I always get, Got get I don't know both mixed interpretations of God right because like people are like oh if you aren't a Christian or if you do bad things all the time you're not going to heaven you're going to hell where you're like internally tortured or whatever good place bad place um hmm. um but then they're like oh yeah God is cares about everyone and he's all about equality and stuff but does that doesn't make sense because if he cared about the people who messed up then he wouldn't send them to hell. Mm. And, like, they're basically, like, he's ba they're basically making Christians superior to everyone else and you have to be perfect to go to heaven. Um, and, like, you can't slip up and you can't mm. make... That means everyone is going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it was, it's really interesting. Well, that's why these two concepts link to each other because your understanding of the afterlife is intrinsically tied to the character that you believe God to play out as mm. so and you can't i don't think you can rationally or you're going to have to struggle to rationale one with the other so if you believe in a god that um is all loving and all kind and is always there for people but then you believe in an afterlife system that sends that people will end up in eternal punishment like you've got a you've got something that doesn't match like mm. how could how could one exist if god is a loving kind person yeah. and i've heard people rationalize that in a lot of ways well like oh it's loving and kind for him to send people to hell you know like because <laughs> without any further choice or yeah that. yeah because you, know, like, you know being in his presence would be too painful for him like because he's so and then, loving and then they go and then <laughs> i'm god, too good for you and then god's I'm like la 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 you've made that choice la 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 i'm not gonna hear if you want to make a different choice or anything <laughs> so you know, and we come up with all these strange justifications but you know especially when those things aren't in align with each other mm. um so I think that's a really important thing to go. Mm. 
um, and maybe in a good thing for to leave to think about out of this is how do those things play out because it's yeah, really good. Um, and there is a certain level of saying, you know, how do you want to understand God or how do you think understand, uh, God should be understood so that that then plays out to that. Because So I put up on Facebook last week. It was a very fun post. Uh, the, the question I put up was, what sort of thing would you like God to be? And it was deliberately a very vague question. And it was interesting seeing all the different responses. And I think only really... Uh, maybe one or two people sort of like answered it. And I didn't. <laughs> and you didn't because, and, and, and I knew what the responses would be. Like yeah. the responses would either be, um, God is this. So as if defining, not, not actually answering the question what they would like it to be, but rather this is what it is, regardless of what I like. Um, try and work around the question in some way to redefine it. <laughs> or yeah, or actually just own up to the idea that God is defined by what they like it to be. So, yeah, it was interesting seeing all these responses, but that was ultimately sort of the, I guess, like the point behind the question was to say, you know, you, you ultimately get to, regardless, even if you're accurate, like even if God is a specific sort of way and you're right on the money, you still decide that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you still play that out in your life and you still play that story out. So it's a really good question to ask. And on some level, you get to decide that for yourself. Yeah. And, but you also have to take responsibility for that. Because if I believe that God is an angry person who defines right and wrong and good and right and your what's good enough and what good enough then you also need to internalize that for yourself like that's how you're going to treat people because that's how you believe the universe works mm. and ultimately the afterlife is answering that same question like how does how does this end like yeah. let's even how just talk about pan out? how will it pan out even just on a basic level of relationships like how does this relationship plan out it either pans out with mm. uh all going super well and we're best friends forever or I'm going to kill you and haunt you after I die. Like, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it doesn't really seem... How does it pan out and then that ends up being the cosmic question. That's right. Exactly. And even like, even on the good side, the forever then, then has a thing because like, well, not all relationships last forever. So does that mean if they are, they're good for a certain time and you know, it's all complicated. Mm. Mm. But defining the morals behind that is a really good practice to go through. It's like, all right, cool. So for me, it's very much this concept of love and spirituality, which is connection and connection is a really big, important thing for me. So if we are always leaning towards connection, then that God is this concept that brings things together, narratively speaking, then I would expect to see that in the way everything plays out, whether I'm there for that or not in an afterlife sense, uh, everything ideally would move towards greater connection. I think I'm not sure how great our influence as humans are to alter that, I think on, I used to think that we were kind of like almost an anomaly in the way that we could actually work against that concept. I don't know whether or not we can. <laughs> we seem to be doing a pretty good, good job at destroying everything. <laughs> so that yeah. sort of works yeah. counterintuitive to the story. If there is such thing as a story, it's not just chaos. Maybe it is just chaos. Who knows? In that, I guess, ultimately, there's the question of, you know, how do you want to play it out? How do you want to experience that? And then see how it actually plays out in your life. And you're like, okay, that actually hurts people, or that doesn't leave that doesn't lead towards health. Then maybe we need to redefine the way that God is understood, or the way the afterlife is understood, mm. and just just keep playing it out, rewrite mm. it over and over and over again. I have one and a half more questions for you. They're not big ones, I don't think. Okay. Okay. So number one, um, so okay, do you think God and Jesus are two different beings? And if, just quick ones. Just quick ones. Yeah, and <laughs> if God or Jesus, I don't know, if they were actual people, do you think that you could be friends with them? Like, as, like, besties, like, go out for a coffee with them, 
for every week or something and like walk your dogs with them and text them and video call them. Love the idea of having a text text chat with Jesus. Oh, yeah, that'd I be kind of cool. Those are actually are quite large questions, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I oh. think so. Um, but let's just do quick fire on them. Quick I guess. fire. Yeah, you quick, quick fire. fire. Quick fire. You quick fire. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, and I've I've said this before. Uh, God and Jesus are the same thing, but for me, in the same way that we're all that, so I'm connected to God as well. Like, and I don't think Jesus was ultimately unique in that experience. Hmm. He was just—he just apparently knew more. Apparently, he might not have. He might have made all those. Oh, yeah, but up. even then, like you know, people understand things from unique and different experiences. A sixth yeah. sense, hmm. perhaps. So I would say God and Jesus are the same thing—the fullness of God's embodied in Jesus. Um, I would say that there are some ways in which we're similar, and some ways in which we're different. I would say the difference would be that I hadn't ha- haven't existed forever. I believe God has. And another thing that's different is that whilst I can learn to model my life after Jesus, I think Jesus has also done something very unique to carry all of the world forward to its mm. um, ultimate ending of healing and restoration. And I also think that even though I can play a role in that, I think that's also something that's ultimately going to also be fully implemented by Jesus who would come and, I guess you can say, conduct a, a, a type of healing rest, restoration mm. of the world. So I have been reading Good Omens. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Terry Patchett, right? Uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. I think God and Jesus are different beings. It's like the Antichrist. I think Jesus was a normal human and God was not. They were mostly different, but God decided that Jesus was going to be the lucky person who was going to carry all his knowledge and die for him because why not? Like Because, like... Just think of it. Everyone calls God their father, right? So, and like Jesus called God his father. He basically was just like, hey, father, come down and don't let me die, please. Um, But like, so like, he kind of all gives us knowledge. Like, even people who aren't Christians kind of know, oh yeah, God might be a thing, but I don't really believe that. But like, I know people talk about that. It's like, they're kind of, he gives knowledge he could, I don't know. He gives knowledge to the people as they are bring, brought down to earth through the egg and the sperm. Um, and, um, but like Jesus just happened to get more and yeah. So my question for you, not to answer now, but for you to ponder on that is what does that say about God for you? Like what does that make, what sort of personality does that give God? Mm. And do you like that? Mm. Might be a good time for everyone else as well. Mm. And your second question was, um, yeah, would it, would you want to be friends with? Oh, would we be friends with Jesus if Jesus was hanging around? Yeah, on like Facebook? best buds, like best buds. BFFs. <laughs> I actually heard the you go like as Andy you were describing it, and I'm my my initial gut was I don't know maybe not like mm. in a very literal sense he was a political activist yeah in that's right M- Middle Eastern. Um, Palestine. I'm not really friends with any people in Palestine, so that would probably be a first um, point of difference. I like. I haven't got any current statuses. I like. Yeah, no, we just get along really well with that culture, uh, and I'm not really like super besties with anyone who's like super super political activists either. Not for any reason. It's just you know, just looking just at my life. At. I'm like yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the type of person person I would describe the person of Jesus to be isn't someone who is represented in my life or that I find a genuine regular connection with. Mm. It's not to say we wouldn't, but at the same time. Yeah, like I think we'd get along and I think he'd be a really interesting guy, but at the same time, 
yeah, I, I think honestly, I'd be like, yeah, maybe maybe we wouldn't be besties. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good way of putting like, it. Um, who knows? Maybe Jesus. <laughs> who awesome. knows? Maybe Jesus could have been a male Karen, but the Bible only pointed out the good things about him. <laughs> that's awesome That's hilarious Oh, that's too funny I mean, he did kind of like make his point And like people didn't like him for it mm. Mm, Sounds like a Karen to me Jesus asked to see the manager <laughs> <laughs> But wait <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's yeah. it you, Nathan? Yeah. I, mean, I, I would say that uh, the points that he was trying to make were to... to to topple down injustices. So I think maybe not quite like a Karen in my <laughs> understanding of, of what I see of Jesus. He was probably too too chill to be a Karen. Yeah. It's a hard one to answer about, will I have coffee with Jesus? I mean, the go-to answer would be like, yeah, sure, me and Jesus. But Best actually, um, <laughs> but actually, like Christy. the whole point of, in my faith, of following Jesus isn't that I've got it all, that I think that mm. I'm like Jesus, is that I'm trying to follow, right? And I look at him and I go, wow, I'm so not where I'm at. Um, and that's okay because I also think that very same Jesus is merciful and loving um, in my following of him. So all that's to say on the coffee front is that I think I would like to have a coffee juice, but I think I'd be really intimidated as well. Yeah, I'd be like, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. Yeah, it'd be, but like, like, it'd be like having a coffee with like Nelson Mandela or, or like yeah, or Martin Luther King Martin, Jr. Yeah, like that. Be, that'd like be that. really intense people. They to would be. Hang out so with, I like. would hope. So I think there would be a, and this is how I, I guess I'm also going to answer this question to land somewhere. I think I would like to have a coffee with Jesus, but I'll be very intimidated. But I also think because of what I believe about the personality of Jesus, that if I were to like say something wrong, I don't think he would also be one of those people who was so, uh, what's what, the term is virtue signaling. He'd be like the cool. So virtue signaling is basically when you try to make yourself sound so much better than somebody by saying all the right, politically correct, right things. Yeah. All right. That's virtue signaling. And so if I didn't say um, that I'm a cis white male and I just said I'm a, I'm a male, some, someone who's virtue signaling would be somebody who goes, how dare you, how dare you don't use the right terminology rather than giving yeah. grace. So I think even though I'll be intimidated because I think Jesus is amazing and revolutionary in the work that he, he does and I believe is still doing, um, I would nonetheless think that if I would screw up that on a one-on-one level, he would also see me like, um, you know, the way he saw the centurion who was a Roman, who he was, he was trying to establish something that was very different from the Roman empire, but also showed the centurion mercy. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's why I love Jesus. And that's why I think that. Mm. That's a really good point as well. Like to look back at it, like I've, I, if you were to move into his time, I have lived and was raised as a Roman, yes. not as a persecuted Palestinian. Yes. So I think if I was the persecuted Palestinian, then I would think Jesus was the hottest thing on earth and I would totally be following him around. That's right. But uh, that's not my experience of life. Mm. And I would totally be like that centurion or whatever who'd would yep. be like, yeah, cool, that, that guy's on it. Like, well, I actually agree with what he's doing. Yeah. I'll help out where I can. But I just have it. I come from the other side. That's right. So it's just important yeah. to recognize that. And I think that's kind of one of my central ethics as well is that whilst Jesus is trying to make something new in the world, he also loves his enemies. And that's so different from, yeah. I think, anything in the world. Today. That is the most interesting question. Yeah. And I'm sure there are many good questions as well that could, yeah. be, that could be generated out of this. And we'll, I guess um, as people, as you peoples who listen, you know, maybe ask those good questions in the comment section or ask yeah. those good questions through. We'll even get George to shoot, shoot some answers through here. So feel free. I'm George. To, so uh, like and share. 
uh, this episode and ask these questions and and yep. bring up the questions that these that those even questions. Yeah, listen, let's up. do like that church thing. At next time you're with some friends, ask these questions of your friends. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and put them these in the great. question box. <laughs> get them in the question <laughs> that you'll never get the answers <sighs> for. Alrighty, guys. Well, make sure you drop us a line and, and uh, yeah, as Nathan said, get on board with Sharon and spreading the good word. <laughs> That's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. And we will see you all next time. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, hey, SpongeBob. <laughs> yes, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs>